0: Just a heads up before we begin, in this episode we talk a little bit about addiction and self-harm. So if that's something you don't want to deal with right now, then go ahead and feel free to skip this episode and come back. Just make sure you're taking care of yourself. Never be afraid to ask for help. Uh, One way you can get some is by contacting the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Add 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. It's uh, free 24 hours a day, 365, the whole rigmarole. Same goes for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Add 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-8255. You may now also dial 988, much like 411 and 911, just to make it a little easier for you to reach out if you need it, because you are worthy. You are worth it. So please stick around and enjoy this episode. The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen Do you do you go back next week to start getting everything ready, or is it two weeks?
1: Yeah, I nope. I start back tomorrow. Is my first day where I officially have to be back. So this this is my last event of my summer, man.
0: Oh, All right, we're kicking it off with of the bay. Or wait, no, hey, not kicking it off. We're
1: or... wrapping yeah. it up. <laughs> with the thing? Going out, going making it go out with the bay. I don't know how
2: you'd say. So that. then
0: next, not this, not this week starting tomorrow but then next week is when classes start or
1: mm, they start thursday oh, thir- oh okay yeah so we have like meetings all day tomorrow tuesday is like free to get my classroom set up wednesday is stuff here and there and then thursday we're right back and at then it
0: friday and then two days off again it's
1: and f- all fridays are minimum days now for staff collaboration so i'll have the kids for like a day and a half <laughs> <laughs> and then our first weekend already Which is kind of nice because then it's like, okay, we get our feet wet. We get used to showing up again. And then so things will really, really start a week from
0: tomorrow. I know for me, like when I was in school, like school would like start the week before Labor Day. And so we'd have like a whole week and then we'd have a four day week. And then, you know, another full week after that.
1: I remember that too. I know a lot of schools would start right after Labor Mm -hmm. Day. I remember us starting always before Labor Day. Now it's like we basically are back in school on my mom's birthday. My mom's birthday is tomorrow. I'm like, what is happening to our summers? This is ridiculous. How do how does like the Midwest do it where they go from Labor Day to Memorial Day? That doesn't compute to me. But again, I couldn't imagine having another month of summer either. Like I'd get bored. Yeah,
0: it's different than when you're when you're teaching than when you're in mm-hmm. school. <laughs> and you're like, oh no. And your student is like, Oh no, hell no, man. I went all the time. I'm all the time off, so I can forget everything.
1: Well, and that's when like my my paid personal necessity days are kind of nice, because if I'm getting burnt out, especially in October, like okay, so we have no days off from let's see, September seventh through November tenth. Mm-hmm. So it's like two months of there's zero breaks. So I would occasionally take a little mini vacation in October. <laughs> I'd be like, I just got to break up the monotony a little bit. Not that my class is monotonous, but, you know.
0: Yeah, Nevada, we get Nevada Day, which used to be Halloween.
1: Wait, what? Nevada Day?
0: Yeah, the day Nevada was uh, was was uh, turned into a state. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah.
1: You'd get that day off? Mm-hmm. That's cool. But
0: then they changed it to the last Friday of October because too many people whined about it
1: but, what do you mean state they
0: employees
1: they whined that it was on halloween yeah, because
0: it's like what if it's in the middle of the week it's like well, psh. there's a bunch of holidays that are always oh, you know, different see. days of the week it's like right. no. so, okay last right. friday so then it's kind of like well then that kind of sucks for kids because then it's like well they still have you got to be like everybody else in the country that you know does their trick-or-treating and then has to go back the next day or whatever
1: yeah Well, we've always said that um, we need to make the day after Super Bowl a Mm -hmm. holiday because like everyone always stays up late and enjoys themselves. Um, And actually, I believe that in 2020 or maybe it was this year, one of the years, like it actually worked out that way. We're like the day after (laughs) we did. not We had some random holiday. I think. No, I think it was like in 2021 because we were like the d- the time that we get the next day off we actually don't even have school like it's pointless i think it
0: was president's day or something maybe
1: um it probably was because that's in february i don't have last year's calendar anymore i'm staring at this year's one yeah i bet you it was one of the president's somethings in february they should just plan super bowl around mm, that
0: or just don't have it you know started at six o'clock pacific which is you know okay here but then you know east coast it's like always like the dead of night so it's super late it's like man that's kind of not fair to them i mean it's okay for us
1: i didn't think about that i know we live on the on the correct coast
0: (laughs) (laughs) welcome to season eight episode seven of the better band podcast an all-encompassing trip through every song in the pearl jam catalog i am your host brandon paloma each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the song Footsteps with friend of the show, Deb McMurtry. Hello.
1: Hi! Happy to be back. Oh,
0: good to have you back. And we got a oh, we got a real good song here today.
1: Mm-hmm. Not that they're I'm not excited. all
0: good, but this is this is legendary. I guess this is a uh, this is a song with lore.
1: It is. Well, it's it's an origin story yeah. song that has many pathways. Yes, uh,
0: Stone wrote the music uh, as part of his uh, demo stuff that he was working on uh, after Mother Love Bone. Uh, it yep. was part of the tape that Jack Irons passed yep. off to Ed, and then he uh, wrote the, the Mama trilogy, which of course is uh, Alive Once and Footsteps being the last part of that. And then yep. around the same time-ish, they went into the studio with Chris Cornell. And uh Chris heard some of their songs. He's like, hey, that one, Times of Trouble. That one's a good one. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna write lyrics to that, and then they uh put that on for the Temple of the Dog album. <laughs>
1: Indeed they did mm-hmm. Which is It's such an interesting timeline The way it just kind of like Weaves in and out of, of both groups Cause you know The The Mamasan tape Was 1990 And then um, um, um Times of Trouble Was released in 91 And then Footsteps was released in 92 Like later 92 So It's kind of fun to see it You know In all three Versions of itself Come yeah, to life Yeah I think
0: um, In some later interviews And stuff Chris was saying That he didn't know That that Pearl Jim had a version of it that they had uh, called Footsteps. Footsteps. was just time to try i thought it was just our song i didn't know they had it but i i mean
1: oh really yeah (laughs) i thought it was just our song nope we swiped it well technically chris stone is in this group so he kind of you know he could bring it along with him and it's it's so cool i can't think of any other song from them obviously but from anybody that i can think of where like the music has been interpreted in two different ways like Mm -hmm. that and they're both great songs like they're both so so good let's
0: see okay let's 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 kind of go back there too um so yeah stone wrote the demo times of trouble and you can actually hear that demo on the pearl jam 20 soundtrack they include that on there and so then you can uh you can i guess karaoke with it uh, for ed ed's Mm -hmm. version doing it but Mm -hmm. uh
1: yeah, they have it on the um, Temple of the Dog Deluxe um, CD. Yeah, I as
0: think well. like right at the beginning, like somebody coughs or sneezes or something.
1: Oh, I
3: didn't. Yeah, like that. you hear
0: it, and like when I was listening to it, I was like, "Oh, somebody's sneezing," and then you know, listen to it again. It's like, "Oh, wait, no, oh, that's actually the thing." <laughs> and then when um. On the the Mama son tape, if you listen to that version of it, Ed's you know version, he says, uh he says, bless you. Bless you. Right after that, and he kind of laughs to himself.
1: Oh, really? Oh, how cute. I haven't noticed that. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to yeah, that. Yeah, but they have
0: they have the song and um they don't perform it until uh, the, the first time that they perform it is on Rockline, on the Rockline radio show on May 11th, 1992. Mm-hmm. And um, then the next...
1: And that's the version that ends up on the Jerry yes. single, which was my first introduction.
0: And then they don't play it. And then the next night, they actually play it live in concert, and Ed talks about it. It's like, oh, we just played this song for the first time on the radio.
3: Did anyone... Did anyone hear the radio last night? Uh, are yeah. uh, Stone, a Leviathan! We not need Watson. This is, uh... We wrote, the, I wrote this a long time ago to their music. Um, and that's how I met them. through their music, and, and uh, it was a line, And then once, and then this song, and we didn't play it together uh, until last night. And uh, it, it kind of came out good, so we're gonna try to play it right now, I guess.
0: And I think like some people hear it and they're like, "Oh wow, it's times of trouble." Oh, they're playing it because I think I I think like someone in the, at least in the in the in the bootleg i heard of it or something like that somebody says like temple of the dog or so, or like a temple of the dog song or something like that
1: Yeah because Temple the Dog actually first played it um November 13th 1990 at the off-ramp so i think that was kind of a staple in their early Yeah shows. and plus
0: the the cd was was, was out, out then mm-hmm. too so mm-hmm. people had known people would know times of trouble more than footsteps which you know nobody except for the band would know because I I don't think the uh the tape right. was out circulating in the wild at that time.
1: That well, took a while for it to get fully in the yeah. wild. And then technology just puts it right at our fingertips now.
0: Yeah. Did uh? So did you, did you? did you have the uh the Jeremy single?
1: Yeah. So okay, that whole thing is so 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 crazy. Cause if you've heard any of my stories, you know how like San Diego is like my spot and. There's just so much Pearl Jam all over San Diego for me personally. But um, we had friends of the family that lived down there, down in National City, actually. And we'd go down there every 4th of July. And so I want to say, I think it was 1993. It had to be 1993. We, I don't know what we were out doing. And somehow we wound up with me and my dad and like the other family's dad and their kids ended up at the um, Tower Records across the street from San Diego Sports Arena and, you know, I'm looking through stuff and then I get to Pearl Jam and like I had had tape singles before, but I, you know, was new to CDs and, and then there's this Pearl Jam CD I had not ever seen before. And I'm like, oh, it's a Jeremy single. Wait, what on earth is Footsteps? What on earth is Yellow Leadbetter? Like, this is so crazy. And it was, it was actually an import. I think it was the Austria mm-hmm. version. It had the little slim case and everything. And so I just was like, oh, I need to listen to this. And then of course, just fell in love with Footsteps and Yellow better. But it's super cool because then my very first Pearl Jam concert was right there at the San Diego Sports Arena two years later. And so I'm just like, this whole area is just so, so Pearl Jam centered. I love it. (laughs) And now, of course, there's no more Tower Records. Um, But yeah, that was my that was my first CD import. First of way too many (laughs) between Pearl Jam and Tori Amos. I have quite the collection now. And yeah, I I still have that CD somewhere and it is scratched to shit but (laughs) i'm not getting rid of it and then i always wanted because you know it has the picture of the little girl Mm -hmm. on the front and there was the The whatever out of however many yeah crayons to guns i always wanted that shirt too but my mom you know being the teacher and everything she's like you can't wear that to school you're not gonna wear that you can't have them like okay (laughs) (sighs) fine mom but yep i got it Let's see if it was just ninety-three. I was fourteen in both those songs. I mean all of them, Jeremy obviously, but having like two new songs. Like I I had never really wrapped my head around like what a B side mm-hmm. was until that point. And then when I found out they, that B sides were actual like gems. Yeah. And then you're like, why didn't that make it on any records? And having already known um Times of mm-hmm. Trouble because the temple of the dog it was just like this is so crazy and so cool yeah, and
0: i think i think around the time too like nobody i don't know if the story of the mama Son trilogy or whatever like that was out i think that um there's a another concert that they did i think it was probably like 93 or something like that i can't remember what i read in the pearl Jam 20 book or something like that where he says like oh you know there's three songs uh uh alive once footsteps uh listen to them and try to put the story together or something like that
1: yeah i remember that actually because it looked like that that it had only been done in the correct order like four or five times have you
0: ever seen the the song
1: i have i have seen it um well the first time i heard it um was at my first bridge school um Oh, I've heard it twice, actually. I already had that written down. So the first time was at um, the first bridge school benefit I went to on October 30th of 99. Um, And then the next time I heard it was at the Forum Mm -hmm. in in L.A. um, 2006. I was kind of surprised that I hadn't heard it more than that, because I feel like I've heard it more than that. I feel like that's such a, especially with all the bridge school shows, like, but I guess I really hadn't. Um the first time they played the Mama-San trilogy in the correct order, June seventeenth of ninety two, then June eighteenth of ninety-two, June twenty-second of ninety-two, and then December eighth of ninety-three. So they haven't played it in that order since
0: ninety-three.
1: Come on, guys. Let's do that again. Yeah, if
0: I was if I if I went to that one show, the one show they played in Reno, I would have seen this this uh this song, but
1: what which um which one is the one from Arena Mercer Arena? I mean, it's from a Reno.
0: Lawler, Lawler Event Center, December
1: oh. 93. It says Mercer Arena.
0: Mercer what?
1: No, it, that says in Seattle. December, no, December 8th, 2nd. Oh, you're saying just for yeah, footsteps. Yeah, I, I would
0: have seen it if I went to that show, but I haven't, I haven't seen it.
1: Oh, so you've never seen it at all? No. Oh, Okay but especially with it being connected to like my first Pearl Jam single and my first bootleg where my first concert was and at my first Bridge School benefit and I don't know it the song is super sentimental to me I just
0: Yeah love I think it. when when I first heard it and like was getting into the song and stuff like that it really like I don't think the story sort of like what like what the song was about or what the the, the three songs was about was out in the world yet mm-hmm. and so you know i you know of course being young and you know having i don't know uh being being lo- love sick or just kind of like oh you know uh nobody mixing. yeah yeah, yeah just kind of you know yeah you know i did what you know yeah. the- or not i did what i had to do but like some like the uh you know if there was a reason it was you Sort of like, oh, oh totally. you know, this is why I beat myself up. Oh, you know, scratches all over my arms, maybe I don't know if you're Yeah I, I don't know about self harm yes, totally. or anything like that. Nothing like that far, but like I could feel like sort of like, oh that's how it feels like inside. And I always like felt like pictures on my chest instead of being like possibly a prison tattoo or you know, a tattoo of like somebody's face or something on your chest. I always oh. kind of thought it's like, oh, you know, you have, you know, pictures of people on just a chest in your bedroom or something like that
1: oh and see i always took it as like if you're you know for like holding a picture like i have a picture of
0: my no oh, okay little like little holding jeff, it
1: jeff in front of me yeah and i mean he passed away in 97 but i got his little third grade picture here like you know you look at it and then you just like hold it to your chest because it's like ugh. that's how i always took it i love when we come up with different angles of interpreting things <laughs> and i love that they've that the band has left their music open to interpretation for the most part. Like I remember Ed saying in so many er- interviews earlier on that he didn't want to say what all the songs were about specifically because he wanted to leave them open to interpretation for the fans so that they could connect with it in, you know, whatever way is meaningful for them. But yeah, the whole, I mean, even if you just look at the lyrics, it looks like, I mean, I can totally see how as teenagers we were like, oh my gosh, this heartbreaking dramatic song and, you know, all, like how we connected to it that way. But then that is so enhanced by just like the hauntingness of the music, mm-hmm. you know, and it just there's like that echo there's the echo, like it's recorded in a big room, it feels like, you know, and you can hear like all the imperfections of the guitar strings and when they like buzz a little bit. Ugh, I love it. It's just very raw and powerful, which makes it even more of like that, you know, twist the knife in your heart yeah. thing.
0: Did you so did you kind of
1: Oh, completely. Completely. And I mean, for not to get too much into my own stuff, but I am adopted. I have the most fantastic adoptive parents on the planet. I have the most fantastic biological parents on the planet. Really, truly best case scenario all the way around. But like you still have abandonment issues as mm-hmm. a kid and you still have attachment issues as a kid. And so I I feel like, you know, in my head, especially like a song like this resonated that much deeper because I did feel like I was missing out on stuff. And I did feel like I didn't understand everything that was going on or that nobody understood me. Cause I literally was not around anybody that was wired like me. So that's absolutely how, how this presented itself to me for
0: sure. Yeah, so then along the storyline then, uh, with alive once. And then this, this is sort of after the, the killer has, uh, i guess been arrested and is in on death row now on the um, mm-hmm. on the original on the on the mama son tape that ed made um you can hear a little bit of harmonica
3: mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and I love the harmonica that he's added to it later on in, you know, the live shows. I love it so much. And that does give it like that bluesy
0: yeah. prison vibe. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's why it was kind of, he put that in there. And then also in Times of Trouble, there is harmonica mm-hmm. in that as well. So I don't know if, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's done it now, putting the harmonica in it because of Times of Trouble or because he originally had a little bit in it when he first made the demo or something like that. and then didn't have the the chance to when they're you know sitting in the the radio booth or whatever like that talking to the guy and playing a couple songs
1: Yeah, and I wonder like how, like how planned was that for them to do? You know what I mean? Like was that a song that they were planning on developing and putting into set lists and having as a B side, or was it just like we're on rock line and we're gonna do some rare thing because that was very common Amen. back then? You know, like how how fleshed out was it ahead of time? Let's ask <laughs> them. Call them up. <laughs>
0: Well, they they, they had...
1: Unless you can, then let's call them.
0: <laughs> they've had... They, they had a bunch of songs and they had B-sides, you know, they had singles coming out and everything like that. So I don't know if, you know, maybe they were planning on doing it and um, I don't know if they wanted to use... They were thinking about using this specific version or something.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, you think that by the time by the time they played it on the radio in 92, like it was... It was a well-established Temple of the Dog Mm -hmm. song. So I wonder if it, you know, for a while at least, they were like, oh, we can't do that song anymore because now it's already owned. Not owned, but you know what I mean. Like it's already kind of been claimed by this other version. I don't know. There's so many questions I would love to ask that are so off the wall. Just sit down with them. Be like, so let's go back 30 years because it's been 30 years now, which is crazy to me. But uh, someday. (laughs)
0: He probably wanted the song out just because it was, you know, part of that tape and this part of the, you Mm -hmm. know, the myth or whatever like that. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like this song is going to come out at some point. We want it to be out to kind of finish the story or whatever, because, I mean, when the when the first Alive single came out, it had Once on there. So, I mean, Once was with Alive already sort of paired up in the uh, in the air out there and footsteps was the only piece of that 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 hadn't been out yet
1: yeah that's right i hadn't really thought of it that way actually and now that i'm thinking about it i did have maybe i didn't get it that early because i do have um an alive cassette single it's actually a weird version have you seen the one where it's like in like a cigarette box
0: like the like where it just slides in one of those or No
1: not not like this yeah no, not the mm-hmm. sleeve. I got I had a bunch of other stuff from the sleeve, but there's like you know you look at it in portrait mode, not landscape mode but portrait mode and you can flip like a top off like it looks like a cigarette box, but super hmm. skinny like there'd only be one row of smokes instead of two rows no, of smokes seen that. Um, yeah, really interesting. I wonder when I got that. Probably should have figured it out before we hit record. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's
0: not a live episode, so that's...
1: <laughs> I know, but, but still, I, I tend to tangent off or squirrel away, as we call it in my classroom. <laughs> I'll be saying something. They'll be like, Deb, squirrel. I'm like, okay, bringing it back. Sorry. <laughs> well, okay. I've seen two different versions of the Mama Son tape. Have you seen that? I know that up in, um, at the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle... The tape, Mm -hmm. and I think it's the same one that uh, Ed shows, he like flashes it in Pearl Jam 20. It's like a darker backed Mm -hmm. tape that had whatever was on it before, like scratched off. And then I think the writing was in silver. Like it has his phone number, his San Diego phone number on it or something. But then I've seen another version too, where it's like a white cassette tape. And he has for Stone Stone and Jeff written at the top. And there's like stuff Mm -hmm. whited out. So, I'm like, how can there be two tapes? Yeah, because
0: there was, um, I think the one where it says for Stone and Jeff, that was uh, a copy of Merle Haggard's greatest hits or something like that. Oh, was it? um, (laughs) Yes. And he's got like, he whited out the song, the songs on it, so that I think it just says Eddie or something like that. So that's just the E, the D. Yeah.
1: Oh, the letters. Yep. I remember that too. And because I was like, what are those random letters?
0: Yeah. And it's got like,
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then it says, it says, um, the one part he didn't r- white out that's right under where it says for stone. I guess one of the song names is a friend in California. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cute. Okay. Yeah. And
0: then there's one that's where it's kind of, it's just like a bl- a blank tape and then it's just like it white out written. There we go. Mama son, mama son, Eddie uh-huh. or something like that. I don't know what that one is. I th- that might've been, yeah, I didn't even know what that is.
1: Maybe that was his copy that he kept, or something. Or maybe he made. Or maybe that's the tape that they sent down to him and then he dubbed over it and kept that, but made a copy. I don't know. Yeah,
0: what it else? could have been like one he kept for him and then like the one that he uh-huh. sent back to them or something like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then, the, so those other two songs were released alive and then once, and then Footsteps wraps up the story. Right. So, I mean, I guess they would have to because listening to the mama son version of footsteps, it's almost identical. Like there's not a lot that's changed. Yeah. You know, you have brother and a daughter, like that's changed a ton. But they kept it almost identical to how it was when it first came to light, I guess. So they would I would I would imagine that they would plan on putting that yeah, I out. I think
0: I think for those songs the only one where the lyrics were kind of changed were once. Because I think he, he only had a couple of lyrics and it was a lot of mm-hmm. bah, 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 bah. the mumbling. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah like something's going to go here, but I don't know exactly what it is, but I want to get this tape back up to you as soon as possible. Yeah, But then like alive <laughs>
0: is like all the lyrics.
1: Yeah. Pretty much fully formed, which again is so crazy. Cause like whenever we go down to Pacific beach, um, we've stayed at a timeshare that not a timeshare maybe it's a timeshare a place that my parents friends own and live right off the like right off the water and knowing the stories about eddie going and like surfing in pacific beach and like with that music in his head and like writing all the lyrics i'm like that happened right here (laughs) this is so crazy (laughs) Then i'd watch all the surfers and be like i wonder if one of them is gonna write a bunch of songs today that's going to come out later that I'm going to love uh,
0: one of one of the things about this song uh, we're talking about it now of course in the lost dog season is that uh, this version on lost dogs not the not the Jeremy version there's a harmonica that has been uh, put onto it <laughs>
3: About reaching me I won't be home. Don't even think about stopping by. Don't think of me at all. Uh,
0: looking in the uh, in the liner notes. In the book for this song, uh, we have Mike saying, Eddie's take on on Stone's song, also similar to Times of Trouble from Temple of the Dog. And mm-hmm. that's it.
1: <laughs> well, I think similar might be an understatement. Yes. <laughs> given that it's like based off the same music. <laughs> like you said, maybe with some, you know, longer musical sections or shorter musical sections, but... Yeah, wow. What what insight, Mike Thanks? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you, you said that you, you like the harmonica?
1: I do. Even I like though it. even though
0: way back long time ago uh-huh. when we, know uh, what you're uh, when bring we were up. talking about saying the original you like the original versions that you heard things of. So you like the original version of ten better than the uh, the redux. For this one, you like the harmonica, the newer version. Than well, the uh, older version
1: <laughs> i mean i can hear it both ways it's it's uh you're throwing me <laughs> under the bus here no this I'm, isn't
0: uh, it's a gotcha question i got gotcha. you <laughs>
1: damn it i'm just kidding no i think that you know it's gonna it's i don't mean it to sound this cheap but like i like the harmonica as a garnish live i like when it's added mm-hmm. in live and i'm trying to remember heavens to betsy i think I think, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that when they played it at Bridge School in 99, I'm pretty sure Ed had his harmonica because he usually does for Bridge Schools and acoustic sets. And so there could be that angle to it as well, because honestly, for the longest time, I didn't know that the, um, the version on the Jeremy single wasn't like an actual studio version. Like I wasn't, I didn't know that it, I mean, I should have read the notes and figured it out, but you know, it, it doesn't sound like a live version. It sounds just like a recorded mm-hmm. version. But I, I don't know if I can say that I like it with the harmonica better. But I do like its addition to it. You know, it's like a new layer, a new texture, a new sound. Yeah,
0: the the I think the um since ah oh man, as I was listening to the I'm listening to the two versions and I think it's the same version. I think it's the same thing, even though it says on the Jeremy single, it says, you know, uh the live on rock line mixed by Jimmy. Jimmy Hote or something, uh, you know, hosted mm-hmm. Bob Coburn. Yeah,
1: Jimmy, hit H I T E. I don't know how yeah, you Jimmy Hite that. or
0: whatever like that. Yeah, and then in mm-hmm. um and Lost Dogs, it says produced Rick Parshar in it, so it's kind of like, okay, mm. wait a minute, is that has to be? You know, they had to have done that in the studio then, because you know it was recorded during Ten, and Rick Parshar was the producer on Ten. And so mm-hmm. there's this. And so I don't, I, I. But you're
1: saying it sounds like the exact same version just with harmonica. Over yeah,
0: it, it sounds, ex- it's, it's, it sounds the same. I think there's more compression and some like reverb on it, on the Lost Dogs version.
1: So almost like, yeah, I, th- I think they, they
0: had that, they had the tape and then they had, it's like, okay, let me record the harmonica huh. over it and, and do that and so then they they had yeah and so they had that version sitting around
2: because Mm. it's like oh
0: yeah i played harmonica on it when i did the thing here let me play harmonica on it you know do that as they're recording some of the other b-sides or something like that maybe or is there before they get into uh recording verses and stuff like that and just kind of have it sitting around
1: well and was that a pretty common theme on lost dogs or not i'm genuinely asking like were the songs that were b-sides before you know like sad that is the same as the b-side or did some of them have like those extra layers put in them Uh, there
0: are ones that are different uh dirty frank is different wash is different uh hard to imagine is different Mm, i
1: remember that one
0: yeah black red yellow is different yep listening i was listening to wash and i think wash might be the same too it's just mixed differently Because there are some of, like, the sounds, like, in the background and stuff like that that are just, like, quieter Mm -hmm. on the original version. And so then it's just, like, turned up more, like, in Lost Dogs. It's like, it sounds, like, almost the same. Mm -hmm. Because I can hear some of the mew, 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 like, and I hear, like, really (laughs) quiet on, like, on the other one. It's like, oh, maybe they just, like, kind of tweaked it a little bit so you can hear.
1: Yeah, pulled some stuff back, pushed other things forward.
0: Yeah, because like some of some of the things that Ed does with his voice is like I was paying attention to. It's like okay, what can't you really reproduce doing it over again? And it's like some of the things like as he's like ending a note or something like that. Some right. of the right kind of uh, like kind of oh the,
1: of the vibrato vibrato and... or like where the where he takes his breaths or the intensity with which he takes his breaths. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, what you're and talking like the about. the
0: sound of the guitar stopping. Like right mm-hmm. when Ed starts singing at the beginning, it's kinda like it stops at the exact same part. And it's th- that 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 mm-hmm. timing is just too because it sounds like you know, he started playing it and then Ed starts singing and he's kinda like caught, caught by surprise and kind of stops and is like, Oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. And then keeps going. He's like, I didn't know you were gonna come in <laughs> right there. I thought I was gonna have another bar to kind of play and it's the it's the same on the lost dog so i don't yeah, know yeah and it's it's, it's, uh, it's
1: actually saying in the notes for lost dogs well for for um yellow better on footsteps it says B sides to jeremy outtake from 10 so i bet you it is just that extra layer harmonica mm-hmm. thrown on the garnish <laughs> let's fancy it up a little bit
0: <laughs> yeah because i i think if if it would have been like later like after they'd been playing it live and it's kind of like oh you know i want to put put the harmonica in it like i do it live or something like that then it would have said different producers and and stuff like that on there
1: absolutely absolutely and so especially since they
0: didn't do the actual recording it was you know rock line and stuff
1: Right, well, that's what I was just gonna. That's exactly what I was just gonna say. So, have they ever actually like recorded it in the in the studio? I mean, I guess a radio studio kind of is a studio, but I guess it's just been live. And you know what? Honestly, I I find perfection in imperfections, and so I am all about just give me a straight playthrough. Mm-hmm. And the song stands so great on its own. To then find out later down the line that it was from a live radio broadcast like oh it's so good like how how could you even mess it up
0: yeah and it's it's i think it is just the way that it is well, that doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense but i mean like the, the, no no that
1: that makes perfect sense you don't have to do anything to it you can sit down you can play it and that is the song it's not like I mean, and again, back to Bridge School. In my mind, it's such a Bridge School song because you can sit down with your ac- acoustic stuff and play it. It's not like you know other songs where they would have to like pare them down or make them acoustic versions. You know, it's not like "Porch" from Unplugged, where yeah, that's a cool song, but it's clearly a different version of that song. This is just it is what it
0: is. Yeah, it's not weaker for missing any of the stuff that they do live or something like that, where Correct. you only know, have Mike. Mm-hmm. playing you know doodling a little bit more and stuff like that and exactly. but it just makes it exactly in the, you know and then it makes it something different too when you see it live and they're doing that too it's kind of like oh it, it works both ways
1: Hmm. Hmm. it definitely does it definitely does
0: is there anything else you need to hit with this we gonna go into the story of the lyrics or anything at all or um not mostly just like oh man This is good.
1: I know. (laughs) Oh, remember back
0: when we were younger and all this hit. This hit us in the (laughs) fields. Oh, yeah. The the
1: song's so good, (laughs) but the song is so good. Yeah. Well, okay. This may or may not even be worth adding, but if you look at the the lyrics to "Footsteps" and you look at the lyrics to "Times of Trouble," like it's so interesting that they're both in like that sad somber vein you know what I mean mm-hmm. like the music does really lend itself towards that style of writing or that part of storytelling it's not like one interpreted this really happy and one interpreted this really not happy <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know I, I like I love even the um the demo version that doesn't have anything over it like you were talking about earlier you could you could karaoke it <laughs> like the actual music itself is phenomenal. I think I would, I'd love to see more people like try to reinterpret that, you know, like give us more. There's two versions with this music. Somebody make another one. What What would that sound like? Especially now, 30 plus years later.
0: Yeah. I think with, with times of trouble, it is real sort of Andy centric.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: And it's, it's, it's got that, that pall over it
1: absolutely and i mean there's clearly more of like you know the drug angle but it's still like it's still like the self-harm like the death the sad the like especially the part but if somebody left you out on a ledge if somebody pushed you over the edge like that part kills me every single time in times of trouble and even though it's not at the same part it's like that goes so hand in hand in my mind with I did what I had to do if there was a reason it was you like it just they I don't know maybe it's just me I think they go together super super great
0: yeah there there is a little bit of optimism though in times of trouble because I mean the the line is break through these times of trouble
1: you're right you're right it does have like that little hopeful that hopeful caveat throughout it you're right
0: yeah kind of like you know I wish you would have done this Mm-hmm. Sort of, of how things kind of wound up and then in, in footsteps, it's, it's more resigned to this is, this is, this is it. This is, uh, that's
1: an excellent word, fate, I guess. Resigned. Absolutely. And, um, actually, um, you talking about, you know, like the, the thread of hope, so to speak throughout it, it reminds me of that, uh, poem by Rud, Rudyard Kipling, if, Mm -hmm. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on, then yours is earth and everything that's in it. And I kind of put, I I cut a little part out, but that, you know, that little hopeful part in times of trouble does remind me of that. And yeah, Footsteps is totally resigned, like, and here I am.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Nice observation. I didn't catch that.
0: Well, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that happens when uh, you just look at it uh, <laughs> as you're talking and it's like, oh, hey, mm-hmm. there's this? Even though I've been yeah. listening to it for, you know, 30 years and exactly. I think I know what the lyrics are. And then you look at it, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know. Uh... <laughs> I
1: didn't know what the lyrics were. <laughs> yeah. I have so many things like that. So many songs where I'm like, wait, I'm just matching sounds. I don't know what I'm even saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been doing this for 30 years.
0: Do you do you think? That this song would have had a place on 10 mm-hmm.
1: if they decided
0: to, that that it would fit on the album?
1: I mean, I think, I think it would have been really cool to have kept the story sequential with the three songs together it would have been cool. I think because of that haunting, echoey feeling, I would kind of put it in a similar category to release, but release is just so much like bigger Mm -hmm. and powerful and so i don't don't know if it would because you don't want to just slap it in the middle that's like where black lives you don't want (laughs) to lead off with it i don't want to be sad
0: (laughs) it's gotta you gotta catch your attention right up front yeah
1: yeah where would that could that go anywhere what do you think
0: ocean spot
1: oh maybe where See, would... but then
0: you got to take away oceans. It's it's you know it's...
1: I know, that's what I'm saying. So would that replace oceans because I don't I don't know if you can do that. Can you do that?
0: Or add it on as a hidden track? I don't know.
1: You know what? That might have been really cool actually because cause it already drags out for god knows how long, you know, after release. I kind of really like that idea.
0: Yeah, kind of just ends like it was you it was you and just kind of
1: Mm-hmm. See the CD. Mm-hmm. like, oh,
0: what's that about?
1: Mm-hmm. Man, that's a missed opportunity on their part. <laughs> Man, that would have been so great. Okay, that might be the only exception to. I mean, if you if you don't change the sound of any of the other songs on Ten, but you add that in as a hidden track, then I might possibly say that I like it better than the original.
0: It would have been the whole band then. I think at that point. If they would have done it like that, they would have made it, I think, a little bit more like Times of Trouble, made it more like they do live than just yeah. Ed and the guitar then.
1: Mm, that's a good point.
0: So would that have ruined it then, you think? Would it have been like a little bit too much as opposed to being this sort of stripped down, hidden B-side I, or something I think like it that that many people know about?
1: I think it might have ruined it, actually, because the whole subject matter of the song, if we're going with like the you know incarcerated fellow like having it just be a dude in his guitar makes it feel more you know solitary I don't know if it would have worked with a bunch more in there fine we'll leave it off (laughs) we'll keep it as a b-side we won't we won't get in our DeLorean and go back and change everything we'll we'll trust the band and what they wanted to do I guess
0: well it's just you know it's 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 a b-side so we're just gonna as as you know, of course, from listening to the other episodes of this before uh, we've talked, I, I'm asking people, you know, if the songs fit on the albums that they were left off of, you know? So, Well,
1: <laughs> I know one song that should have made it onto an album, but I think that's somebody else's domain. I think Randy will be talking to you about that <laughs> at some point. Or maybe you already have.
0: Or he already did. D- depending on when this episode. Okay,
1: about. that's what I was wondering. Oh, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> did I miss something already? Yeah. See how that song did not make it. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Well, we're ready to wrap it up then, you think?
1: Um, I think so.
0: So uh we're gonna wrap it up by uh I'm gonna ask you, what do you think the future days of Pearl Jam are going to look like? Because we're here, it's it's Pearl Jam 30. It's at, at, at this point in uh in the Rolling Stones career, I think they uh they had uh not Bridges to Babylon, it's the other one that came out before that. Not Steel Wheels, uh
1: I don't know my stones records. Sorry, Dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Voodoo Lounge. That's Oh, the one. there we go. Yeah, so about like at this at this point in their career, the Rolling Stones put out Voodoo Lounge. And but they put out a whole lot more records than uh Pearl Jam did so.
1: Well, I mean, I and still.
0: Metallica has been along along around a long time too, wouldn't they? What, what did they put out in their. Th- I was going to say, what are year? they doing
1: these days? Are they still making stuff?
0: Yeah, sure they have. So you need, that would be 2003. Saint Anger.
1: Oh wow, that was at their 30 year mark, ish.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, we know that's 20, hmm. right? 80, yeah. So then they they this is their. Probably right after Death Magnetic, in between Death Magnetic, and well, I guess mm. that would be the closest one then.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't but even you... want anything <laughs> about that one. Um, I mean, in my head, there's like, it's almost like there's two different Pearl Jams. There's recording studio Pearl Jams, and then there's live Pearl Jams.
2: Mm-hmm. Did I just
1: pluralize that? I don't know why. Anyways, um, and I think that they all have enough side. Projecty things that they're doing that are fulfilling and beneficial to them and to us. That but that they don't feel stuck in the band. You know what I mean. So I I don't see them. You know, just deciding to not do this thing anymore. And I think that they're gonna tour for as long as they can. Once they can again. Ugh, (laughs) I'm telling you, if Ohana gets canceled, I'm gonna be so mad. But that's neither here nor there. So I mean, the future for them. I think that they're gonna tour for as long as. Possible, and I know it's going to be fewer and far between even you know COVID aside just because of the families they're raising and whatnot. but i don't I don't see them going anywhere at all. Now, I think that because of the evolution of their lives and their sounds and their interests and their you know perspectives and the things they want to say about social commentary or whatever, that obviously evolves over the years. And so for me, I connect more deeply to the older stuff. Mm-hmm. They're still my favorite band. I will still go see them live every chance that I get. But as far as like the newer material, I don't feel as stitched to it as tightly as I did the earlier stuff. And I think there's a lot of people that feel the same. And, and inversely, I think there's a lot of people that are going to be drawn to them because of, you know, how they're doing things now. And I appreciate the shit out of the fact that they're not just cranking out the same cookie cutter crap every single time. You know what I mean? Like they're, they have always done what they wanted to do musically. And, you know, I'm glad they had Uncle Neil as a model to follow for that for sure. But I mean, do we, can we even really say what the future of any of us is currently? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think like so much stuff is up in the air. Like I don't even know what this school year is going to look like. Like, am I going to be able to teach the whole year? Are we going to get shut down again? And I'm going to be teaching from literally right here in my bedroom. I don't know. I think it's just so hard to predict really much of anything right now. And while that can cause a little bit of anxiety in some ways, you know, cause the whole uncertainty angle, I also feel that it kind of makes me appreciate the moments that we do get. Mm -hmm. Like when I go to the Ohana shows, like I'm going to be so very aware of the fact that those could possibly be the last times I see them. You know what I mean? Like God willing, not for any tragic reason or anything, but I don't know. I think I just, I don't think we can predict a whole lot of future anythings really until some of this dust settles and we all get our heads on straight again, you know? But I will say (laughs) that when my brother. Greg and I were little honorary brother. It's a complicated family story. Just accept it. Um, So when Greg and I were little and actually listening to this single in my mom's car. um, And, you know, my mom thought that this band was just a phase. And I remember me and my brother being like, when we're in our 40s, we're still going to be going to see them. (laughs) And guess what? We're now in our 40s and we're still going to see them. (laughs) So kudos to us and our our foresight. Yeah our foreshadowing abilities at the age of like 15 (laughs) as long as they're playing i'm going to show up that's all i can say for their future and mine with them
0: well thanks thanks for talking with me deb always a good time
1: thanks for having me again it is i love getting my brain thinking especially on this subject not that i don't think otherwise (laughs) but you know i like puzzles to solve and things to research and It's great. I love it. Anytime you need somebody, holla.
0: (laughs) The Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons attribution share-alike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email ListenUpReno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use you can subscribe to the better band podcast on apple podcasts google play or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at betterbandpod i am on twitter at brandon p b-r-a-n-d-e-n-p if you would like to support this podcast you can go to either ko-fi.com slash brandon p or patreon.com slash brandon p you can also just give me a five star review on apple Podcasts or spotify but don't forget to tell your friends if you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbrandpod@gmail.com, gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Deborah and as always, this is Brandon saying... Carnies built this country. The Carnival part of it anyway. And though they may be rat-like in appearance, they are truly kings among men.
2: and